Welcome back to the Yellow Box Podcast. This week, we are joined by our lead pastor, Dave Ferguson, as we wrap up our series, Radical Life. For more information, please visit us at www.communitychristian.org. Remember, you can always find us on Sundays at the Yellow Box at 9.30 a.m., 11.15 a.m., and 5 p.m. We hope to see you there. All right. Uh, good evening, community. How's everybody doing? All right. Good, 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 good. We've had, we have had a phenomenal, phenomenal day, so you guys be ready to go, okay? Here we go. Let me start with this. Um, how, many, uh, how many Stranger Things fans do we have in the house? Wow, a very exuberant section of Stranger Fans. Stranger Th- Str- I mean, Stranger Things fans. Sorry about that. Right over there. Um, okay, if you don't know, Stranger Things is a Netflix, I mean, it's their biggest hit ever. And, uh, I mean, Netflix now has more subscribers than cable TV. Um, it's won tons of awards. It's almost like a kind of a cultural phenomenon. And if you're not familiar with Stranger Things, basically what you have is there's this upside-down world that disrupts everything people thought they knew about reality. And when this young boy disappears into this upside-down world, his loved ones have to confront all these terrifying forces in an effort to try to get him back. And that's all I'm going to tell you, okay? No spoilers. So there you go. But I was thinking about, you know, Stranger Things, this Netflix hit, and it reminded me, you know what? Jesus also came to usher in an upside-down world. In fact, it actually even says in the book of Acts, which describes his early Christ followers, it says in Acts 17, 6, is they turned the world upside-down. But here's my premise. I kind of think that if Jesus had a Netflix show, I don't think he'd call it Stranger Things. I think he'd call it Greater Things. And here's why I think he'd call it Greater Things. Because here's something he said, a, a, a kind of a strange thing they actually said to his followers back then, that he's also saying to you tonight and to me and to all of us. And take this in. Here's what he says. Truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I've been doing And they will do, this is Jesus talking now, even greater things than these. All right, wait a minute. Jesus saying, you're going to do greater things than him? I'm going to do greater things than him? That that we could, I mean, if if that's possible, don't you want to know what those greater things are? I'm going to take that as a no. So we can just, okay. (laughs) Don't you want to know what those greater things are? Absolutely. I mean, seriously. I mean, if that's the real deal, you want to know what that is, right? Because here's, here's, here's my premise. I think most of us, <clears throat> our lives aren't so much filled with greater things. It's more kind of the same old thing. A lot of us. A lot of us kind of the same old things. I feel like I meet a lot of passionless, empty, kind of bored people. And I, I would say, to be honest, kind of particularly guys. Some men, you know, guys who talk about doing the same old stuff kind of every day. You know, you get up the same old time. Turn off the same old alarm clock. You walk in the same old bathroom. You look at the same old face, the same old mirror. Then you go downstairs to the same old kitchen, eat the same old cereal, drink the same old coffee. You kiss the same old wife goodbye. That's what other guys say. Not, I mean, that's... Then you go to the same old job, right? You listen to the same old jokes from the same old boss who tells the same old jokes in the same old way. Then at the end of the day, you drive back home the same old way that you came you go back to the same old kitchen, eat the same old dinner. You watch the same old sports center. You fall asleep then in the same old chair. You go to that same old bed. You ask that same old spouse the same old question. You get the same old answer. <laughs> you roll over and set the alarm clock. And then you do the same old thing all over again, right? 
Who wants to be stuck doing the same old, same old? Does anybody want that? No, we don't want that. So here Jesus comes along and says, listen, as followers of mine, you get to be involved in my redemptive mission. There are greater things that I have for you. And the awesome part about this is that Jesus doesn't just leave us wondering about, wow, that was kind of mysterious, greater things. No, he explains, for us to do greater things, we have to get really clear about how you do it and also why you want to do it. Why? He says this. He starts with a why. Real clear why. He says, here's my mission, to seek and save the lost. The way we talk about it around here, we translate, helping people find their way back to God. That's why Jesus came. That's why the church exists. That's why we do what we do. That's our mission. But then he gets more specific about the how of greater things. And he says, here's how. Here's how you can actually accomplish these greater things individually and together. You go and you make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and you teach them everything I've taught you, and I'm going to be with you through this whole stretch. I'll be with you to the very end. And when Jesus says, here's how we're going to help people find their way back to God, here's how we can do greater things, the how is this idea here, making disciples. Making disciples. Being a disciple and making disciples. Now around here at Community, again, to kind of make things really easy so we can grab a hold of it, we just call a disciple a 3C Christ follower. The disciple is a 3C Christ follower. And that's why this series that we've been in is so important that's coming to a conclusion today. Because we've been challenging you to grow in these three different relationships and become a 3C Christ follower. Um, two weeks ago, um, we talked about Celebrate. Ian did a brilliant job, I thought. He talked about how, 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 how we need to know that we are enjoyed, not just tolerated, not just kind of like, okay, come along by God. No, we are enjoyed by God. And consequently, we ought to also enjoy God. And then last week, we talked about how, how we need to connect, how we were, we were meant from the very beginning. We're wired with this stuff to do life together. We cannot get through this world, through this life, and be everything we were meant to be and do everything we were meant to be on our own. We were meant to live in community. And here's where we're gonna go tonight, all right? Now, tonight, we're gonna, we're gonna do two different things. So kind of two for the price of one in the same amount of time. What we're gonna do is I wanna actually explain to you kind of how you can begin to uh, contribute to your world and this world and help it become the kind of world that God wants it to be. How you can actually practice uh, certain things and begin to experience these greater things. So we're gonna spend the bulk of our time on this contribute piece and we're, we're, how do we accomplish these greater things together, make our lives a life of greater things. But then at the very end, we're gonna wrap up the end of this service and the end of this series um, with a, a 3C commitment time. And uh, I want the end of this service, I mean, I want it to be a kind of drive the stake in the ground. I want this to be a moment for you where you say, you know what, in 2018, I want my life to be, to be oriented around these three relationships with God, with people in the church, and then the rest of the world as I try to make a difference and to become a life of greater things. All right? In fact, what we're gonna even ask you to do, we're gonna ask you to get up out of your seats if you wanna make that commitment to come forward when you participate in communion, but then also take one of these wristbands. They just say celebrate and connect and contribute on them. And I want you to wear that in 2018. And that's gonna be a commitment and a reminder to you that you know what? No, this year, this year, I'm gonna try to do life Jesus' way by being his follower and being his disciple. Does that make sense? All right, you ready to go? Okay, we got three. How about the rest of y'all? You ready to go? 
All right, here we go. All right, good. I like it. All right, here we go. Didn't really matter what you said. I'm going to do it anyway, so. All right, if there was one word, okay, if there was one word, I think, and a word that really kind of describes how Jesus went about trying to change the world, his strategy for changing the world, here's the word I would use. Bless. Say that after me, Bless. I really want that to sink in. It was like a blessing strategy. He, he would bless every person he was with. He, he would bless every place that he went to. In fact, as you, if, as you start combing through those first four books of the New Testament called the Gospels, you're gonna see that over and over again, he was about blessing people and blessing the places that he went. In fact, his most famous teaching, the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter five, six, and seven, at the very beginning, like the introduction of the Sermon on the Mount, it's called the Beatitudes. And if you really look at the Beatitudes, you know what it is? It's like, here's nine ways you can live a blessed life. Nine ways. In fact, he even says, he gives us a whole list. Of, here's, here's how you do it, because I want you to be blessed. People, he says, you're blessed if you're poor in spirit, because yours is the kingdom of heaven. He explains, blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. You're going to be blessed if you're pure in heart. You're going to be blessed if you're a peacemaker. He wanted to make sure his listeners, his learners, his disciples were blessed. And so he blessed people with his teaching, with his prayers, with his affection and love. He blessed people just by hanging out with them when they they didn't think he would ever hang out with people like them. He blessed them with miracles. In fact, word spread so much about how Jesus was blessing folks. Look, Look what happened here. It says here in Mark 10, another place in the gospel, people were bringing their children to Jesus so that he would, what's it say there? So he blessed them. And what does he do? He hugged the kids and he blessed them. So, I mean, this is, it's so prevalent. A couple of years ago, a few of us spent some time taking a deep dive into the life of Jesus and really kind of taking a look at this blessing strategy. As we looked at Jesus' life, we noticed there were several practices that he did over and over again. And, and we put them into a very simple kind of acronym called BLESS. Because there, like, there were like five practices that kind of emerged that Jesus did. And if Jesus did them, and we are going to be his disciples and want to make disciples of others, then we need to do them and teach them to others. I think this is how we do individually and together greater things. All right, so here it is. Here's kind of this, here's this acronym. Simply this. The B stands for begin with prayer. Begin with prayer. Now, some of you are going like, you guys spent two years and that was the best you could do? Begin with prayer for the B? <laughs> well, I'll tell you, that, that, it gets better after that. Um, but the truth is, we had to kind of go there because that is exactly how Jesus began his ministry. If you remember, you know anything about his life, he gets, he's baptized, age 30. That begins his earthly ministry. Next thing that happens, he goes off into the wilderness and he fasts and he prays for the next 40 days. Next thing that comes up, He's trying to determine, okay, who am I going to invest myself in? Who am I going to invest my life in? Who am I going to disciple? Who am I going to help find their way back to God? And it says in Luke 6, 12, so before he does it, how does he begin? It says this, he went out to the mountains to pray. And he continued all night in prayer to God. And then when it came day, he went out and he called his disciples. I'm telling you, if you want your life to be about greater things, not just the same old thing, you do what Jesus did. And I'll believe, I believe God will do for you what he did for him. When you wake up in the morning, you pray. Say, God, give me opportunities to bless the people I come across. On your way to work, on your way to driving the kids to school, on your way to school, on your way to the gym, 
when you're walking through the neighborhood. I know people that just kind of walk their neighborhood and they pray throughout their neighborhood. And I'll tell you, what I believe will happen is God will, he'll reveal to you a growing awareness in you. Here's the people you need to help. Here's who you need to love. Here's who you need to help find their way back to God. And if you want to be a disciple, a 3C Christ follower, okay, it's B as you begin with prayer. Okay, the second one then. B is begin with prayer. Second, L is listen. I love, this one, was, this one was a little different and I didn't really see it coming. I love how Jesus listens. And don't take this for granted, okay? This is a biggie. On one occasion, for example, he's on his way to Jerusalem. He's on his way to Jerusalem for this big event. And in order to get to Jerusalem, he has to go through Jericho. Now, it turns out lots of people were also going to this big event. And so they also had to go through Jericho. So Jericho was like this intersection. It was just like chock-a-block of people. It was huge crowds, massive crowds of people. And in the middle of those massive crowds, massive crowds, there was a blind guy who knew Jesus was coming this way. And this blind guy cries out to Jesus, Have mercy on me, Jesus. And Jesus hears him in the middle of the chaotic crowd. Why? Why? He was listening. Now, um, here's the deal. This, this guy was not on Jesus' agenda today. that day. I mean, his Google calendar didn't say heal blind guy. Right? I mean, he had, he had places he had to be. He had a whole world to save. But he stops. And I love, the, I love this exchange. It's so fascinating. Let's look closely at this exchange. Don't miss this. Here's what happens. He says, when he, when he had come near, Jesus asked the blind man, what do you want me to do? What do you want? Isn't that interesting? Jesus asked him the question. He asked the blind guy, what do you want me to do? I think it's important for us to observe here. He doesn't assume, here's what you need. He doesn't tell the guy, here's how I'm gonna fix you. Instead, he asked this man, a question, he gives him dignity, right? And then he does what? Come on, help me out. Right, he listens. He listens. And I'll tell you what, here's, I think this is a real issue. I think Christians today are more known for their talking, okay, than they are their listening. There's a whole lot of Christians, and we see it in a lot of different, we see it in the public arena, we see it in the social media atmosphere, where, where they're, giving their, they're giving their opinion before anybody asks. What if instead we were listening first? The inventor of the stethoscope, okay, the inventor of the stethoscope told doctors, he says, you listen to your patients and they'll tell you how to heal them. You listen to your patients and they'll tell you how to heal them. And I'm telling you what, you want to do greater things in your life. You listen to your neighbors, not just their words, but also their life. You listen. You listen to your coworkers. You listen closely for the pain. You listen for the people at the gym. You listen to your family. And I'm telling you, they will tell you, they will tell you if you listen carefully how you can bless them. We gotta get good at listening if we're gonna do greater things. All right, the third, the third practice, the third practice. Begin with prayer, listen. You're gonna like this one, eat. Is that a winner? Eat? That's a good one, right? Have you ever noticed this? This is like just universally true. Wherever I go in the whole world, um, there's something about a shared meal, a shared meal that moves a relationship just kind of past acquaintance towards friendship. You have lunch with somebody, you know, it moves from kind of, oh, I just met you. To, you know what? I, you got, there's a friendship growing there. And Jesus knew this and he lived this out. In fact, so much so, the Pharisees accused him of eating meals with tax collectors and sinners. And, and the reason there was an accusation because tax collectors were like the scum of the earth. But Jesus didn't care. 
Because you know why? Those are people that matter to God. And there ought to be a whole bunch of us hanging out with people going like, why are you hanging out with them? Because those are people that matter, with God, matter to God. Jesus uh, used a meal to perform one of his greatest miracles, the feeding of the 5,000. Continued through the gospel. After the resurrection, he ate a breakfast on the beach or on a fire with his closest followers. When he finally leaves, he says, hey, here's what I want you to do on a regular basis. When you come together like we are tonight, I want you to remember me, right, around a meal, the Lord's Supper, communion. Eating was central to his mission of helping people find their way back to God. So I'll tell you what, next time someone tries to get you to skip dessert, you just look them in the eye and say, uh-uh, I'm on a mission, right? I'm on a mission, right? That's what you, <laughs> Here, here's the thing. And sometimes when we do these kind of talks, you're like, oh, I don't know how I can squeeze this stuff into my life. It seems important. I want my life to be about greater things. But here's the deal. You already eat 21 times a week, right? Probably breakfast, lunch, dinner, seven times three. Some of us more, but at least that, right? What if you just begin to include other people? What if you just begin to include other people? My friends, uh, Alan Hirsch and Lance Ford, they wrote this book called Right Here, Right Now. I love the way they put this. Look at this. They said that sharing meals together on a regular basis is one of the most sacred practices we can engage in as believers. If every Christ follower regularly invited a stranger or a poor person into their home for a meal once a week, we would literally change the world by eating. All right, here's the S. Moving through this. We begin with prayer. We listen. We eat. And what will happen, if you do that with people, they will reveal to you how you can love them. And the S stands for serve, how you can serve them. Jesus saw this as mission critical. He even said, listen, I came not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom to men, for many. And I think what happens for us, sometimes in the area of service, some of you that are a little like me, kind of slightly type A and a little more on task, sometimes we do it just to kind of fix it or fix them. We write a check. We volunteer for a day. Or, or we delegate it to somebody else or a team. And so what we do is we use serving as a way to fix it or fix them. And that's why it, these practices are in the order they're in. I love the order because you begin with prayer. Okay, you're praying for people or praying for a place. Then you're listening to those people or listening to that place. Then you're eating with them. I'll tell you, when you, when you do all those things, what happens is it, it ensures that your serving is really about the person being served and not the person doing the serving because you've built a relationship. If you want to do greater things, you got to pay the relational rent. You have to pay the relational rent through, begin with prayer, listening, eating, and then when you get the opportunity to serve. And then the last S, okay, the last S in this blessed strategy is story. Story. And I'm thinking of a good friend of mine when, uh, and I, I, I use these blessed practices. I, I write names of anywhere from a half dozen, a dozen people in my journal. I just begin with prayer. And I prayed for him for probably three years. Um, we hung out at cross-country meets and track meets, talked, talked running and uh, got to know each other. I just really, I really liked the guy. And, and I want you to hear, this was not some project. He wasn't a project. This was my friend. And uh, then we started meeting, having uh, breakfast occasionally and, and, uh, and other places we'd go out to eat once in a while. And then in time, he kind of opened up to me and told me some really tough stuff that had been going on and was going on in his life. And he wanted to know if I thought God could help. And I'm telling you, if you do these practices, at some point you'll have the opportunity to then this last one to share your story. 
And they'll ask, well, why do you do what you do? And they might even say, you know, you're a little different and mean it in a good way. And then you can tell them your own story of how you found your way back to God. And that's what I got a chance to do. And uh, it, was, it was last spring that I got a chance to baptize my friend, okay, my friend, my friend, and see him find his way back to God right over there. See, when you put all this together, <clears throat> and we've intentionally done it, it, it it's, it's simple to understand, right? Simple to understand. But no, make no mistake about this. If you will begin to do one of these practices every day, begin with prayer, listen, eat, serve, share your story. If you do one of those practices every day, I'm telling you, it is a radical kind of life. Let me do this. Let's say this. Let's say that everybody here, everybody in this room, okay, you with me? Everything, we all said, you know what? I'm in. I'm in. I don't want the same old thing. I want greater things, right? I'm gonna do these. I'll do one of those every day. As I follow Jesus, I'll do one of those every day. Let's say, but then let's say not just us in this room, but let's say all of just this church, all of community, Last week, we had close to 7,000 people. Let's say um, 10,000 people call community their church home. 10,000 people call their community their church home. If all 10,000 people said, you know what? Enough of the same old thing. I want to be about greater things. And each of us in 2018 went out and said, we're going to bless at least three people. And then maybe one of those people, one of those three found their way back to God. If each of us did that, we could all come back together like this time next year at the United Center and fill the whole place. And then if we did it again the following year, we'd have like 40,000 people. We could all go to Wrigley Field. And as a White Sox fan, I would be willing to do that for you if you get on board with this mission. That's the sacrifice I will make, okay? And guess what? (laughs) If we did that for for a third year in a row, we'd have enough people to fill the soldier field, but we'd have to actually leave 20,000 people at home. If we did it for five years, we could actually buy every ticket at Lollapalooza. We'd have 320,000 people. And within a decade, think about this, within a decade, we could reach the entire city, the entire population of Chicagoland. Just imagine, okay, just imagine. Put things aside for a second. Just imagine Imagine a city where everybody had already been blessed, and we had to send people to Detroit and St. Louis because there was nobody left to bless here. That would be a good day, wouldn't it? Now, that's just the numbers for those of you that are kind of more analytical. Now, for those of you that got a heart, think about this. Think about the spiritual climate and how it could change. There would be so many people praying. I guarantee you would feel God's spirit as you walk down the streets. You could not walk down the streets of Naperville and you would just feel it's like something's different in the air. Downtown, downtown is gonna be different there. You're walking down Michigan Avenue and you go like, man, what changed in this last decade? Because people were praying. Here's what also would happen. Not one not one of the 9.5 million people in Chicagoland would be lonely. You know why? Because we took time to listen and include everyone in our lives. And if we started eating, if we started eating with people, and not just the people that are like us, but people that are different than us, I guarantee you, every racial barrier, every socioeconomic barrier, every political barrier would fall because what we would discover across the table is, you know what? That person is a lot more like me than they are different. That would be pretty good, wouldn't it? And if we started to serve and we started to love one another, I promise you, no need would go unmet. There is no way that if you're praying for somebody, you're listening to them, you're eating with them, there's no way you're gonna let them go homeless. There's no way you're gonna let that person go hungry. 
Every child would have a fair chance. And every adolescent, every teenage kid would enter into those years knowing God has greater things in store for me. That would be a good thing, wouldn't it? And when we get a chance then, after we prayed and listened and eat and served, and we get a chance to share our story of Jesus, you know what's going to happen? Here's what would happen. I'm telling you what would happen is people instead would lean in. They would lean in close. You know why? Because we prayed for them. We'd listen to them. We ate with them. We served them. We loved them. In fact, what would happen? There'd be standing room only lines of these baptistries. We'd, we'd have to, you know, you got the guy like open table, right? Open table app. We'd have to get an app for the baptistry, kind of open baptistry so you can, get, you can make an appointment, right, to get baptized. Because so many people wanted to be a part of that kind of mission. If you can even imagine this, okay, just try to imagine that. Those are the greater things that are possible that Jesus was talking about. And when Jesus commissioned us to go out and make disciples, that's the kind of impact he knew that we could have. And guess what? He really does want us to turn the world upside down. And he wants to do it through you, through me, and through us together. All right, it's time for you to make a commitment. We come to this end of the series. It's called a Radical Life Series. And it's time, and I really do, I, I hope this becomes kind of just a moment, a drive, a stake in the ground, a declaration, a kind of all in, going like, yeah, I want to be a disciple. I want to live a radical life. I'm, I'm going to commit to being a 3 C Christ follower because that's how we accomplish greater things. Why? To help people find their way back to God. I was um, reading this week, there's a guy who goes back many years now, a great philosopher writer, a guy named G.K. Chesterton. Wrote a little paperback, a little paperback. I love the title of this paperback, What's Wrong with the World? Right? What's Wrong with the World? And when I ran across this quote, I mean, it just I was like, oh man, I got, I got to share that this, this weekend. And here's what G.K. Chesterton said. He said this, the Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. Instead, it's been found difficult and left untried. What's wrong with the world? It's very simple. We've never tried. We've never tried really doing it Jesus' way. That's what I'm asking you to do in 2018. I'm asking you, will you, will you try it Jesus' way? And so as we conclude this series, we're gonna give you a chance to commit, to commit to doing it Jesus' way, to live a radical life with a three C Christ follower. And here's what that means. It means here's what I'm gonna try, okay? I'm not even, hear, hear me, I'm not even asking you to be successful. <laughs> I'm not asking you to be perfect. God doesn't ask you, I'm just asking you to try. Let's just give it a try. And here's what it means to celebrate. That we're going to live a radical life of celebration where, you know what? Where we wake up every day and we try to remind ourselves, we remind one another, God enjoys me. And therefore, I enjoy God. And we're going to do this thing together. And for some of us, to make that declaration, we need to get baptized. For some of us, you need to make a commitment to be here every Sunday because you need that weekly reminder. For some of us, it's a daily thing of being either prayer, or reading the Bible, or some spiritual discipline you need to do. But you're going to live a life of radical celebrating. But secondly, it also means this, a life of radical connecting. And here's what radical connecting is. It's where you dare to take a relational risk and say, you know what, these folks right here, this is gonna be my family. 
This is going to be my family. You start doing life in a small group and you make a commitment, I'm going to love those people and those people make a commitment, they're going to love you and together you will get each other through anything this life brings you. And you're going to make a commitment to radical kind of connecting. And the last thing is radical contribution where you say, you know what, not for me. No more same old, same old, same old thing. <laughs> no, greater things. And you're saying, you know what, every day, as God gives me power and as I can try to bring this to mind, I'm gonna pray for somebody or I'm gonna listen to somebody, I'm gonna eat with somebody, I'm gonna serve somebody as they reveal what they need and I'm gonna share my story if I get the opportunity because your life is gonna be a life of radical contribution. Justin's words. The Christian ideal has not been tried, found, and wanting. It's been found difficult and left untried. And so what we're asking you to do today is will you try what do you think? You willing to try? Yeah. Wouldn't it be awesome though, for real? For real. Like if everybody said, you know, okay, this is the year. We're all gonna give it a shot. Man, I'm all in. I'm all in. If you're willing to give it a try, we're gonna ask you during this communion time, you'll get up and uh, we have communion trays here, 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 and here. You can get up, move to your right, come forward. Why don't you take a piece of the bread? It's a reminder of the body of Christ and the cup is a reminder of the blood of Christ. That's, that's his commitment to you, his love for you. But then, you know what? If you're willing to make a commitment back to him and love him, I'd, let's just take one of these. I've been wearing one all day to say since this morning when I took one. I'd say, you know what? I'm gonna be a follower. I'm gonna be a follower. I'm gonna continue to grow in these three relationships. So um, the band's gonna come and they're gonna play. And then as you're ready, you can get up, move to your right, come forward, take the bread, take the cup. You can take it when you go back to your seat whenever you're ready, take it on your own. Um, but also, if you take one of those wristbands, let that be a moment. Say, you know what? For me, it's not gonna be the same old thing. It's greater things. I wanna be a 3C Christ follower, all right? As you're ready.